Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. We just praise God for his goodness. Uh, I want to uh, 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 go back to the passage that Bishop, the passage is actually, that Bishop was preaching from last week, and I want to pull out what he told me to focus on this morning, and the word is the reverential fear, or phobos is what it says in the Greek, or phobos what it says in the Greek, and it's a reverential fear. We want to talk about this this morning. Let us pray. Father God, it's in Jesus' name that we come, thanking you for your loving kindness and for your tender mercies. We know that there is none like you. You are God all by yourself, and besides you, there is none other. So we humble ourselves before your fathers and speak, Lord, for your servants here. I'm only your vessel that you have sent I have no words of my own. I have no thoughts of my own because I'm here in your name. If you, don't, uh, if you haven't given the message and continue to speak this morning, oh God, I can do nothing. So I humble myself before you and saying, God, have your way. Willing vessel is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let me start my clock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, let us go to the, the, the word of God. I want to uh, start at verse 3. I'm not going to read through the whole, uh, the rest of the chapter, but it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, reserved in heaven for you, who through faith, are shielded by, by God's power for the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a time, for a little while, you uh, may have had to suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more precious than gold, which perishes, uh, even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory, and honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, uh, you believe in him and rejoice with an unexpressible and glorious joy. Now that you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who foretold the grace to come to you searched and investigated carefully, trying to determine the time and settings to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing. When he uh, predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories uh, to follow, it was revealed to them that that they were not serving themselves, but you, who they foretold the things now announced by those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, you know, I'm not big on saying, uh, say therefore, but I'm going to say it this morning. Come on, everybody say therefore. Prepare your minds for action. Be sober minded. 
Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you at the revelation or the appearing of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not conform to the passions of your formal, formal ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on the Father who judges each uh, one's work impartially, conduct yourselves in reverential fear or phobos in the Greek, doing your stay as foreigners, for ye know that you were not redeemed with perishable things such as silver and gold, that you were, but you were redeemed from your empty way of life um, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, who was foreknown before the foundation of the world and was revealed in these last times. Now, what I want, what I uh, titled this message is a snapshot of the reverential fear beneficial for the Christian life. A snapshot. Reason I say a snapshot because it's not a movie. Um, I can, I cannot exhaust. Everything that has to be said. So it's just a snapshot of the reverential fear that we are to have. You know, I thought about some of this new stuff that's going on. People call Jesus their buddy and all this stuff here. And the Jews would probably cringe when we call God. And as a matter of fact, when you say God, you're really not saying his name because God, in, in, in the Hebrew, that word is Elohim. And every nation had an Elohim. But God's name, thank God you don't use that and say he's my, you know, ace boon coon or whatever you, we want to put it to it. No, he, 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 he you know, he, he, he's not on that level. In this message, in his message last week, Preparing for Christ's return, the long-haul faith, Bishop Jackson addressed the fact that we as Christians awaiting the second appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ should prepare ourselves. In his message, he gave us to understand that in preparing, or as the King James Version put it, to gird up the loins of our minds. You know, Bishop gave the illustration when you're running a race and back in the day, they, 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 they wore these long uh, garments and uh, they could not run a race with those long garments. So what they did was, was, was lift them up and they would put them in the sash around their waist so that they would be free to uh, work or run. This is the picture that, that, that we are to get here that we are to prepare, prepare ourselves for the race. Nobody gets in a race just to come in second place. You're not going to last long if you want to get to the Olympics and you're, as, and you're aspiring just to come in second place. But we run so that we may win the race. Okay, so uh, we are to gird up the lungs of, uh, of our minds. We, uh, we are to manifest certain behaviors, certain mannerisms that are indicative of true Christian life. The sad part about it is everything passed for Christian now. Oh, and we are afraid to call it out when it's wrong. They'll say stuff and we just swallow it and we don't say anything 
to refute it because we say the time ain't right. Well, when is the time right? I'm going to tell you something I heard, and I said, man, I told my wife, I said, this is so dangerous. And I'm not hitting at anybody this morning. I just want to tell you what I'm hearing now, and this is crazy to me. There's a commercial where they talked about the body that they were assigned at birth or randomly assigned at birth. Now, I'm not going to get into that, but do you know how dangerous that is? You take God out of the equation and you saying that I was mistakenly put in the wrong body. We go, man, we, we better wake up. This stuff is coming into our households while we're looking at a wholesome program that commercial is coming on and our children listening to it. So we have to make a decision what we're going to do about it. You know, I mean, so wake up. All right, so there are certain behaviors that we as Christians, we should convey, we should manifest. The, uh, the verse that I would like to focus on this morning is uh, verse 17 of the first chapter, and that word, phobias uh, 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 or phobias, translated as fear in most English Bibles. In 2 Corinthians 5.11, Paul stated that it was their understanding of this uh, phobias or phobias. It was their understanding of the fear of the Lord. We know in the King James said, we know in the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. You know what I'm saying? In other words, we know the reverential fear. And in other words, we know that God is almighty. Though he's merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abundant and in goodness and truth, he's yet a God of justice. See, when we read that in Exodus, the 33rd chapter, the 34th chapter, when we read it and, 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 and the Lord uh, call out these Different attributes. We leave off, if we're not careful. We leave off, he say, of visiting the iniquities. He say, of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. He say, but he will in no wise pardon the guilty. In no wise. If you die without Christ, and there's no reason now to die without Christ. Y'all do know that, right? especially in America, there's no reason, okay? The thing is, is that there, you say, well, nobody preached to them. Well, you got television, you got all kinds of uh, religious stations, you got religious programming, there's no reason to die without Christ now. So listen to this. He said, we know the, uh, the, the, the fear of the Lord, we compel men, we persuade them, I like what the uh, 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 Weymouth uh, New Testament rendering says um, of the remainder of this verse. And God recognizes what our motives are. Now in the King James, he says, and our hearts are manifested to God. In other words, God knows. But in, uh, in this uh, translation here, it says God knows what our motives are. In other words, God searches our hearts. We work before God, but we work in the fear of the Lord. You don't play with God. You don't do that. You don't say that I'm working for God knowing that you're serving flesh. You don't get up to sing a solo knowing that you're trying to put on a show. This is the service of God. It's holy. All we do is holy. How can you play with it? 
Even the work of the Lord in the church is holy. When this ground was set aside for God, it became holy. You can't do just anything to it and with it and get by. <laughs> you may get away for briefly, but God will deal with you. Don't you know that, 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 that God protects the church? We don't protect the church. Jesus protects the church. All he asks us to do is to preach the truth. But we as Christians, we have to realize that there are certain things that's been lost in the body of Christ. And what's been lost is that reverential fear. Bishop been talking about being rocked or being lulled into a sleep, and we'll talk about that lately, uh, uh, later. How we've been lulled, we, we, we have been rocked. We allowed the world system to rock us into a stupor. We have allowed the world system to rock us into a, a sleep. And now things are going by us and we don't see it. Things are coming into our children's minds and we don't even see it. Because the world, when I say we, I'm not talking about people in here. I'm, 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 I'm talking to them. This is for the body of Christ. I'm hoping more people in the body of Christ see this because this is the truth. It is the truth. Now, the word, although it could mean fear and dread, the word for fear, it could mean fear or dread or that which strikes terror. It can also mean fear that accomplishes the reverence for one's husband. Now, that's one of the, the definitions in the, in the Greek. So we're talking about a reverential fear. Now, let me tell you something that I, that I found out. Studying hermeneutics, I found out that we have to be careful. One of the things that I think we make a mistake, and please don't throw rocks at me. If you do, I don't. Is that we say the Holy Ghost is going to teach me everything. He'll lead and guide you into all truth. But don't you know that there are certain words that have a semantic range that has certain nuances that was used in that particular culture? Example, I looked up the word fudge. Fudge. It could mean a, you know, the, 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 the candy or, or, or whatever. It could mean that. It could mean the cake. But fudge can also mean how you doctor up a, doctor, uh, 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 a document. You fudge the document. Now, based on the context, is how you know what that particular person meant. But if you don't know the context and you don't study the words around it, you may have the wrong interpretation. Let's look at this. Say there is something going down the street. And somebody's reading this text, you know, reading what I said. And I say, boy, that shoulder is pretty. Now, you being with me, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're not with me, you don't know what that is. Then, plus, I use the word pretty. Am I talking about the same way that I mean when I'm talking about my wife? Or am I just saying that that is a nice vehicle? When I say a house is nice. You being with me, you are understanding. You being in the uh, immediate uh, 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 um, uh, vicinity, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. 
That house said, that house, I'm saying that house is nice. But the word nice could mean, do I mean that it treats people fat nicely? <laughs> do I mean that it say fat nice words to you? No, 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 no. I'm saying that it looks good. I like the way that house looks. My point is, saints, is that when it comes to the word of God, when we really study, we have to study the words. We have to study the words around it. This is why we have teachers in the body of Christ, okay, that will help us to understand these things. This is what Bishop's been doing. He's been focusing on the words and the context. Because this is what, uh, in our ministers' call, we realize this is what God has called us to. He's saying it's time to focus on the text. It's time for us to kill these sacred cows. These interpretations that God never meant when he spoke it. Now, when we, when we think of reverence, we think of respect. In the letter of the Hebrews, the author quoting from, the, from Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says this, and, but, but, in, but in the, in the uh, uh, epistle to the Hebrews, it reads, My son, do not take lightly the discipline of the Lord, and do not lose heart when he, when he rebukes you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises everyone he receives. Verse 7 says, Endure sufferings as discipline. God is treating you as sons, not just children. Sons, there's a difference. But what son is not disciplined by his father? If you do not experience discipline like everyone else, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Furthermore, we have all had earthly fathers who discipline us and we, we respect them. Should we not much more submit to the father of spirits and live? God, when he disciplines us, saints, he disciplines us for the sake that we may partake of his holiness. Well, you say, I thought uh, I was holy when I'm born again. Yeah, but it haven't been developed. We, you all know that is seed form. It's in seed form, and the only way it's going to grow is it has to be developed. And don't you know you're going to make mistakes along the way? We all make them. And thank God, that when I made mistakes, I'm, I'm number one, and I, I won't talk about it, but I knew one mistake I made that was, that was you know, pretty bad. And the Lord, pretty much, he, 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 not only did he chastise me, there were some things I had to endure because of that, but he also took me to the scripture and showed me why it was wrong. I lied to you now, I remember it like, like it was yesterday. He took me to the scripture, and I'm not saying he picked me up and said, sit down, he didn't do that. But in my heart, I began to see passages that spoke to what I had done that he was not pleased with. Okay? Now, we know that our fathers, they discipline us, and we, and, and we said, thank you, sir, or we said, we, yeah. well, I don't know. You can't hardly say that now in the West, but we still respect them. Right? You know, I often tell my children this. The Bible tells us to honor our mothers and fathers. It don't, it's not conditional. My God, Bart Simpson made it conditional. 
and the world looked at it. Made it conditional. If Homer did such and such on him. The Bible don't say if they're good parents. It don't say if they bought you everything you wanted. The Bible tells us to honor them. So it's unconditional. You honor them regardless. And if you, if you get to the place the way you think you're going to say something, excuse yourself. Instead of disrespecting them. I say that because what's happening is that this stuff has crept into the church. And now we think that we're all right. When we, you know, when mama didn't do what she's supposed to do, and now she want to be part of your life, you know. And, uh, anyway, I won't get into all that. Okay, Reverend Richard Fred, the, the true definition of the word in many English-speaking circles in this day and time uh, has lost its meaning. You see uh, in this phrase where, uh, we see in this time where the phrase of the day is question everything. Deny the existence of absolute. There is no absolute authority anymore. See, mama had absolute authority. Mama used to tell us, do such and such. And you wouldn't dare say why, because if you act why, she would say, because I said so. She didn't go out to a whole lot explaining. And you took that and sat down somewhere. But kids now, my little grandbaby, boy, she, she good. Why? Why? That's, that's just the way the generation is. Why? Why? But don't you know, see, that we got to have an answer? Now, we may get by with because I said so, but after a while, you're going to have to tell them why. Because if you don't tell them why, the street going to tell them. Or they're going to give them their version of it, which is going to be wrong. Oh, you know, I, this is what I say. If I want some information, and I, if I want some advice, I'm going to go to someone who knows more than I know. I'm not going to someone who knows who, who know just as much as I know or know less than I know. I'm going to someone who knows more than I know, right? And so when our, uh, our children, they go to their friends, which is a disaster. Your friends don't know no more than you know. They just know it from their perspective. Well, my mama, well, you ain't saying nothing. Because your mama's not in this household. <laughs> you know, my daddy, I don't, care, I don't care what your daddy do, but over him. <laughs> and that's what the Lord said. I don't care what the world does. In the body of Christ, this is the way it's done. We see this in Scripture. Now, so now they say there are no absolutes. But you see how crazy that thought is. Just imagine if there are no absolutes. Many Christians have been lulled into the ideologies of the world. There are no absolutes. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who was saying there are no absolutes. He, 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 and and I, of course, y'all know I love that conversation. And, and so I'm saying, okay, just think about how crazy it would be if there's no absolutes. What makes the world revolve like it does, turn around. Don't you know I found out last night in studying for this, I found out that time around the equator moves faster than it does on the poles? As a matter of fact, it moves much more faster on the poles. The rotation of the earth is uh, 10 uh, times negative 5. That's how slow it moves. 
Round the equator is 24 hours per day. On the pose, it's different. Who made it do that? Who knew exactly what needed to happen for Earth to exist on, for a life to, to exist on the Earth? You know what I'm saying? And it's an absolute, it's the same number every time. That number does not change. There are some absolutes. So in life, there are absolutes. There is absolute authority. God is the absolute authority. We cannot do just what we want to do, how we want to do it. Everybody doing what's right in their own eyes. We see what happened in, the, in Scripture when that happened, when there was a, a no longer a judge, and the children of Israel done what was right in their own eyes. It was chaotic. Because everything is right. And we're almost like that in America right now. Everybody doing what's right in their own eyes and part of the church bought into it. They bought into it. Everybody do what's right in their own eyes. Your right may not be my right. Relative, relativism. Relative. Your right, what's right for you may not be right for me. I got to tell my truth. God. My truth. What's, what's your truth? I mean, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. The scope of the sermon would not allow me to get into the arguments for being absolute and the chaos that it will, uh, that, that, that would ensue if there are no absolutes. But we are not to comply with the evil urges of the world. Because the world say there are no absolutes. Do you. Do what you feel. If it feels good, it must be right. And see, and I'm saying this because I see what, looking at these commercials, I see what our children are being exposed to. And I say, we got to wake up. It's time to take the gloves off. Because Satan is not playing. He's coming at us with full force. Now, Peter told us that we are not to fashion ourselves with the, uh, 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 you know, with the lust that we had in our ignorance. We were ignorant, so we didn't know any better. But now we know better, right? And so we are not to fashion ourselves. I'll just put this right here. We are not to fashion ourselves according to that time when we were ignorant. Now we know better. You know the old saying, you know better, you do better. And now because we know better, we ought to do better. Uh, uh, you know, you, there's no such thing, you know, I didn't know. Well, you know, you know now. Peter uses the word for ignorance, uh, which means having a lack of knowledge uh, especially in divine things. It's a moral, a moral, a moral blindness. What's morally right? What's morally right? In other words, I may have the right to do such and such, but because it's not morally right, in other words, it's not right for me to do it. Just because I can do it don't mean I should do it. Because it's not morally right. The word Peter uses in verse 14 when saying not to fashion ourselves uh, after the form of lust and our ignorance, uh, it's it, 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 it made up of two words, sin and schema. 
Okay? And uh, it's talking about the schema of the world, being in unison with the world. The manner of a life uh, was, uh, that was after the world, Peter said the saints were not to follow. We, uh, we see the word again in the book of Romans, that same word, where Paul admonished the Christians in light of what God had done. He come through all the 11 chapters and got to the 12th chapter. And you, you know back then, back then there were not chapters, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, what God had done, he said, in the light of what God had done, uh, not to be conformed. Don't conform or don't be in sync with the schema of the world, but to be ye transformed um, uh, by the renewing of our minds. See, it's our minds that Satan is after. That's why he come across the television with all these commercials. It's our mind that he's after. It's our children's mind that he's after. He want our children to lose respect for authority so they can be shot down in the streets, so they can end up in prison, especially black children. That's what he wants. And then our children to lose hope in God and say, God did not, uh, God did not uh, 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 keep me from these things and so there must not be a God or he don't love me. God does not change um, in his person and in his holiness. holiness. Holiness demands the standard. For it is the standard by which everything is measured and will be judged. The scripture tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God don't change. Now that, uh, that, now that being the case, we can believe reasonably that uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit does not change. God say, I'm God and I change not. Each is to be reverenced in, the, in our lives and in our behavior. Every day of the Christian life, we are not to allow the world, world's um, ideologies to convince us that although He is merciful and gracious and long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, uh, that He is not a God of justice. We are not to allow the world to make a hell, of the eternal separation from God, a trivial matter. No, 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 no. We are to believe God's word which tells us that hell is a real place. We must not allow the world system to sin, uh, a system to sin, uh, that sin is not as serious and a matter that needs to be taken seriously. Let us not believe for a second that he would uh, not, that he would, that he would, would, that he would not have sent Jesus Christ, or he would have sent Jesus Christ to die, or would not have sent Jesus Christ to die, if sin was not a serious matter. He did. If sin was not diametrically opposed to his nature, and must be put down, we must realize that there is a purpose behind why God allowed not only Christ to come, but him to suffer the way he suffered. I heard somebody say, we was in a conversation, and I heard him say that people say that Jesus wasn't the only one that was crucified. There were other people crucified too, so what did Jesus do so different than everybody else? And I loved it, I loved it, I loved it. I said, wait a minute, let's back up a second here. Nobody, first of all, was sinless. 
Nobody died for somebody else's sins. They died for their own. Number two, the sacrifices were not beaten before, or, or let me say the sacrifices, I'm talking about under the Mosaic system. Those sacrifices were not beaten, they were just sacrificed. The people that were hung on the cross were not beaten by a Roman whip. We say 39 lashes, but that's under Jewish law. We don't know how many lashes we were or was. All we know is that um, uh, the book of Isaiah say that, uh, that his vintage was marred unlike any other man. You couldn't even recognize him. So, my point is, people trying to uh, make trivial the fact that Jesus died. Come on, wake up. Wake up. And let me tell you something. It's just not the words on the page that we need. It's the Holy Spirit to bring those words alive. You can't read the Bible like you read a Sports Illustrated magazine. I don't know if they still make them or not. But you cannot read the Bible like you just read a novel. You, we need the Holy Spirit to make it alive for us. To bring it off the paper. To make it rhema to us. Where is the rhema word of God today? Where is that word that quickens us? Where is that word that shakes us out of our stupor? Where is that word? Where is that word where you could be standing at your, uh, uh, sitting at your desk? And the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Don't you know he don't wait until you get in church? I was standing behind a machine catching cardboard off a machine when the Holy Spirit spoke to me. In my heart, and I knew it was him. Because, I mean, I, I, mean, I just know the voice of the Lord when, when it happens. And I'm standing there, and the Lord took a passage that I had used, and I ain't going to say I was looking for a way to backslide, but I used this and, and, and I used to justify my backslide. And y'all know some of you don't heard me say it. It said, uh, uh, I would that you be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Well, I said, well, and, and then they always preach to us that the Lord don't want you to straddle the fence. You see, he'd rather for you just not to be in the church than for you to straddle the fence. I bought into that. I said, okay, well, you know, I'm, I was a young man. I'm struggling. So I just, you know, I got out of church. Standing at work behind a, a machine, catching cardboard, and the Lord said, that's not what I meant. That's exactly how I started. That's not how I meant. That's not what I meant because I'm, 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 this scripture was constantly in my mind, even in my, my backslidden state. It was constantly in my mind, and the Lord took the scripture, that's not what I meant. And then he showed me what the scripture really meant. He showed me, taught me at work behind the machine catching cardboard. So don't you know that the Holy Spirit wants to wake us up? There are passages that he wants to use if we need to be woke up. He wants to bring that word to us to shake us out of our stupor, to shake us out of our sleep and say, wake up. It's time to wake up. There is a reverential fear that we need to be reinstated back in church. We must spread the love, although unconditional. Uh, 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 we must spread the word or the truth that the love, although unconditional, must be received on God's terms. See, a lot of people buy into that. Oh, God loves everybody. God is love, and that is true. 
But don't you know I can have a gift for you, but if you don't receive it on my terms, I tell you, you got to come to the house and get it, and I ain't coming to the house. You're not going to get it. <laughs> you know, and the Lord says in faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not just mouth service, but it's your life service. Right? It's faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is what's necessary for us to receive or, 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 or to, re, yeah, to receive the love that God has for us. I want to expound on several points in closing that the apostle gives us. If observed, it can keep us in correct reverential fear. First of all, let's talk about the hope. Peter in verse 3 of the uh, uh, first chapter states that God has begotten us again into a lively hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an imperishable, undefiled, eternal hope. The author of, of, the author of uh, Hebrews admonishes us in chapter 12, verse 28, part B. It says, since we, have, we are receiving an unshakable kingdom, let us be filled with gratitude and so worship God acceptably with a reverence in all. Since we are receiving, see that's the hope, we are receiving an unshakable kingdom that will not be defiled and that don't fade away. We are to be sober-minded. Sober-minded. Jesus admonishes the disciples in Luke, the, the, uh, uh, 21, the 21st chapter, verse 34, to be on guard so that, uh, so that their hearts, so that your hearts will not be weighed down with the... Uh, dissipation and drunkenness in the, in, in the worries of life. And they are not uh, in that they won't be ready or we will not be ready for his second coming or for his appearing. For the end of all things, Peter said, uh, is at hand. So be self-controlled and sober-minded so that you will continue in prayer. We got to continue in prayer, but we got to be sober-minded. Don't you know if you get drunk with the cares of this life, you don't feel like praying? Don't you know if you get worried down, you don't feel like praying? Don't you know if you get so drunk with the, with, with the, uh, with the things of life and with, and with the world and, 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 and you know, doing things that, that gratify the flesh, you don't feel like praying. You can't pray and, 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 and gratify the flesh at the same time. The two don't go together. Huh? You gratify the flesh, having, you know, doing things that, you know, and then I heard a man um, he talked about lust. He gave a definition of lust. He said lust is a legitimate feeling, a legitimate human feeling, seeking to satisfy itself outside of the will of God. Seeking to satisfy itself Outside of the will of God. You know what God said, but you're going to do it your way anyway. Then Ephesians 5.14, it tells us we got to awake out of sleep. It says, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. 1 Corinthians 15.34, uh, we are to come to a sober and right mind and sin no more. Uh, Paul uh, told the, the, uh, the Corinthians, he said, for some of you have no knowledge of God. Listen to what he's saying to church folks. For some of you in the church have no knowledge of God. He said, I say this to your shame. In the church, saying every Sunday. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, remain alert. Keep standing firm in your faith. 
Keep on being courageous and strong. So we got to wake up. We got to continue in being strong, giving God the glory that is due to him. Due to him. We got to understand the price that God paid for our redemption. Peter reminds the Christians, uh, God has called us, as Paul says, with a holy calling. To a holy life. Be holy for I am holy. God commands us. Be holy. But he has made us holy. So God tells us now that we must maintain the holiness of life. We are commanded to be holy in everything we do in verse 17. And if you call on the Father who without respect the persons judges according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here. In other words, your time, your brief time in earth, pass it and reverential fear. Don't allow the world to dictate to you what the fear of God is. I don't care what they do uh, on some of these shows, and I'm not going to call no names. What they do on some of these shows, people are dancing and shouting. They always uh, mimic the black church. That bothers me. They mimic the black church dancing around and whatnot, and that's supposed to be funny. Stop it. It's time out for that stuff to stop, and we need to speak out against it. If you call yourself a Christian, stop Create these shows and making fun of black Christians. Stop it. Stop it. It needs to stop. For as much as you know, you, you were not redeemed with corruptible things, Peter said, as serving gold from your vain conversation received from the, uh, by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Uh, he says, uh, who barely was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in the last time. Who by him believed in God, uh, who that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope may be in God. Now, I say it all to say this, is that we must realize the price that God paid for us. It was not gold and silver. See, God said the silver is mine, the gold is mine. So God had plenty of that, but he had one son. Think about it, one son. And he gave that son for our sins. And when he gave him for us, he gave him for us to manifest so that we can see his love in manifestation. We can always look at Calvary if we look at it right. We can always look at Calvary and we can see the mercy and the grace of God. Because Christ Jesus, his body, torn apart. Now, I'm not talking about limb to limb. I'm talking about with the stripes. Hanging there, suspended in midair for a sin that he did not commit. That's the grace of God. That's the price that he paid. Then we have to be obedient to the truth of God's word. He says, saying that you have purified your souls and obeying the truth. How do you purify your souls? By obeying the truth. I don't care how rough it gets. That's where the purification comes. The purification comes when you don't bow. Nebuchadnezzar told it wrong. He said, if you don't bow, you burn. It's flipped around by the Christian. If you bow, you burn. What we need to do is when the, 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 the fire of temptations come, we have to stand against them. That's where the purification comes. That's where the burning out comes. The fire of temptation brings the fire that will consume the things that's holding us bound. 
The fiery temptation. It's going to be fiery. You're going to want to strike out, strike out and give up. You're going to want to. But if you don't, Peter said that there is a purification of our souls. A purification of the way we think. How we see things. And you can always tell how a person see things based on what they say. Listen to them talking. You can tell how they see it. Paul said, when I was a child, I speak of the child, because the child usually speak before they think. I speak of the child, I thought of the child, I understood as a child. Talk long enough and you can tell exactly where they are. All right, now, we must vehemently, no, no, let me say this. We have an eternal hope, but the love of God offered to the world through the finished work of Jesus Christ must be accepted on his terms. O Zion, we must reinstate the reverential fear of God in our homes, in our communities, and wherever we are allowed to travel in spreading the truth of the gospel. We must vehemently resist the world's ideologies, especially the thought that there are no absolutes. God is the ultimate absolute. I am the Lord, I change not, he says. We must vehemently resist situational ethics, which says right and wrong depends upon the situation. It supports the idea that there are no universal moral rules or rights, that each case is unique and deserves a unique solution. Situational uh, ethics uh, rejects are prefabricated decisions and prescriptive rules. In other words, that's the word of God. It rejects. It teaches that ethical decisions should follow flexible guidelines rather than absolute rules and be taken on a case-to-case basis. And y'all know exactly what's going on now. You see that in this world now. Situational ethics. Okay, and with just as much energy, we must reject the doctrine of relativism, the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, and historical context. And there are no absolutes. I believe the Apostle Paul's instruction, in closing, uh, is what he's told Timothy in the second epistle to him is conducive for us this morning. How do we not lose that reverential fear and make sure that we are reverencing God in everything we do? This is what Paul says. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth or that is warring entangles himself with the affairs of life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man strive for the masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. There are set standards that we must strive by. The husband that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruit. How can I be passionate about the fruit when I haven't tasted it myself? 
<laughs> Consider what I say, Paul said, the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I do all things for the elect's sake that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, if we be dead with him, we should also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also, this is a, this is a tight one here, he also will deny us. Jesus won't deny me. Well, you argue with Paul. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words of no profit. Don't argue with people who say this ain't so. Don't argue with them. The Bible says it's so. The Bible tells us it's so. But to the subverting of the hearer, study, not read, to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, but rightly or straightly cutting the word of truth. But shun profane, a profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and the word of God will eat, I mean, in their words, will eat as does a canker, of whom um, Hamias and Philetus, who concerning the truth, now this is, what, this is what error would do, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Now, you say, well, uh, we're not confronted with that, but we're confronted with error. And what is it seeking to do? To overthrow the faith of some. To subvert the hearers. That's what it's seeking to do. All right? Nevertheless, I love this. I love this. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands assured. Having this seal or this inscription, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If you call on the name of Christ, depart from iniquity. iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself, purge himself, from these, he should be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat or meant for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. You got to separate yourself. My uh, uh, Pastor Cannon back in the day used to tell us you got to come out for the come out from the come out. You know, <laughs> you got some folks who come out but they don't come out far enough. <laughs> so you got to separate yourself from those who didn't come out far enough. Who want to stay just as just just as close to Egypt as they can, so that they can see what's going on in Egypt. They want to stay as close to Egypt as they can, just in case they need to go back. Flee also you for lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they will uh, that they do gender strength, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. But be gentle unto all men, after teach, patient, uh, in meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves, or those who oppose you. If God, preventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. 
This is what happens, saints, when we lose the fear of the Lord. This is what happens when we say the Lord don't want us to be scared of him. And you are right, he don't want us to be afraid of him. But he wants us to reverence him. And maybe that's what we ought to find the balance. Find the balance. See, because I remember back in the day, and my mama, she wasn't the, 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 the greatest going to church woman. Uh, but I tell you what, we uh, had the reverence of the Lord. Certain things you didn't say or you get knocked down, literally. I mean, I'm sorry my mom is not living anymore, so you can't go arrest her. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> we got knocked down. <laughs> you say the wrong thing, that's the Lord's work. Yeah, yeah. But you had, you had, we came up reverencing the Lord. You didn't get in bed without saying your prayers at night. You did not eat without saying, your, saying the grace over the food. You didn't do that. And plus, when you say that I'll see you tomorrow, uh, we always had to say if the Lord's will. We don't do that anymore, see, because now we say it don't take all that. Well, maybe we need to get back because uh, the world is coming after our children. And it's coming up to our minds. And we can't lose that reverential fear. Come on, let's stand. Hallelujah. 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 First of all, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me do this before we close. Um, if there's any that listen to this message uh, this, this morning and you want to give your life to Christ, you don't know Christ. You want to give your life to Christ. We want to invite you to receive our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want to tell you that Christ is real. Uh, if you don't believe it, talk to the right Christian. And they'll let you know Christ is real. But if you want to receive the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning, we want to pray with you and lead you to the throne of grace. Let us pray. Father God, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We thank you, Father, for your loving kindness and tender mercies. We thank you for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ dying for our sins. Father, we ask that any one Father who uh, may hear this and hearing it now, and they are led to give their lives to Christ, we ask that you would uh, receive them, Father, through, uh, by their faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by their faith in the finished work of Christ, Father, we uh, ask, ask, oh God, that you would fill them with your precious Holy Spirit. Let them know, Father, of a surety that they are yours and that you are theirs. We ask, oh God, that you would... Uh, um, allow them, Father, enable them to find a place that preaches the truth, teaches the truth, that they may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, those of you who may not have been unbelievers, may not, uh, uh, you've been saved before, but you've been lackadaisical. Um, you really uh, didn't realize that you have been uh, been rocked into a stupor, rocked into a sleep. Uh, but this is what this message was meant to convey, uh, that we not lose that reverential fear of God. And just, we just want to pray with you that God would restore that place in your heart where you put God first and where you reverence God in everything you do. Let us pray. Father God, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We join our faith, O oh God, with our brothers and our sisters. Those who have been born again, Father, but they have uh, drifted away. For, for whatever reason, they have drifted away, drifted away. 
Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would reclaim their souls, bring them back again, Father, to a place, to the place that you have ordained for them to be in you. Father, we ask that you would make, uh, through, the, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, that you would make this Christian life a reality in their heart, that they may um, have such an uh, experience in you, Father, that they won't want to walk away anymore. And that they would be convicted if they sought to walk away, if they sought to turn away from you, that the Holy Spirit would convict them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. We ask, oh God, that you would restore their homes. Whatever damage that's been done, we ask that you would restore the years that the canker worm and the pummel worm have beaten. We come against every demonic force in their lives. The ones who Satan uh, has now said that I have them and I won't let them go. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. The hand of God is against you. Take your hands off of God's property. You have no right to this individual. This is one that Christ has died for and they have given their lives to Christ and you must take your hands off. It's in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the window that you've given them. A window, oh God, where they are, 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 where they can understand, a way they can receive from you. We thank you for that window of opportunity that you have afforded them that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.